every individual person has task relevant maturity um, for whatever the things that they're working on. And so even somebody who's experienced might have low task relevant maturity on a new project or somebody who's, who's not experienced might have high TRM on a very specific thing if they have like a lot of experience with that one question. Um, so that's kind of what we've used a lot in terms of setting expectations. So someone with low TRM, you will be, you will set expectations on a much shorter cadence. You'll check in a lot more. Um, the expectations that you set will be more on the actions taken as opposed to the results. Whereas, and, and, you know, you'll, you'll do a lot more coaching on that front. Whereas someone who has high TRM, you might set expectations based on the results that you expect to see. And then it's up to that person to have a lot more freedom and, and, and um, agency to pursue that goal in the way that they think is the is the most appropriate. Hey y'all, I'm Chase, and this is the Support Hubs Hangout. This is a show that helps you deliver a better support experience to your customers. Now we've got some of the best support pros in the business, and they're all back this week, which is probably the most exciting thing. So before we dive in, let's make sure you know I'm Jeff. You get the privilege of going first this week. It's a yes. very, very happy week. Oh, yes. It's going to be a great show. I want to thank my co-hosts, uh, Chase Livingston and Carolyn. I just, I can't tell you enough about <laughs> what it means to have your support. Oh, God. Okay, great. See you next show, everybody. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, nice. <laughs> next up, the, <laughs> the other one that, that Jeff mentioned, Carolyn, how are you? I'm good. My pre-show shout out is Barcelona. It is amazing. I had never been to Spain and it was really fun. So that's, that's my shout out. Starting, starting it at the beginning of the show today. So if if we're going to go, like what, what's the one thing we have to do in Barcelona? Um, there's really amazing architecture. So I look at some buildings. Yeah. Walk around and look at buildings. (laughs) I love it. We're going to fly to Barcelona and just walk around. It'll be fun. Sorry, that's my actual recommendation, though. And eat all the things. <laughs> and then last but certainly not least, Chase Livingston from Automatic. How goes it? Hey, going well. Glad to be back. Awesome. All right. So this show, it's new series time. There was a uh, actually a really great tweet that caught my eye, both because it, it had a great kind of question, like a prompt in it. And there was some uh, really interesting conversation that ran along with it. So the tweet was... Regardless of seniority, every good manager will blank. And then you get to fill in the blanks. So with this series, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to fill in the blank a little bit. On each episode, we're talking uh, about a different item, phrase, word, whatever, that fills in the blank. So for this one, we're going to start with, regardless of seniority, every good manager will encourage and develop each of their team members. Um, So every good manager will encourage and develop each of their team members. So Jeff, since you were so excited earlier, we're going to start with you. Um, why is like, we, we talk about, we talk about managers that get in and, and they've got not only responsibility to like making their, their area better, right? So if they're in customer support, they're making the the support part of the product better, but developing the team is just as important. So like why, Oh, what's, what's your first thoughts around like, you know, when we, when we talk about developing the team, what, what's kind of your first instinct? What's the first thing that you do as a, as a new manager, um, as a good manager, when you start looking at ways to develop your team? Oh man. 
Uh, very narrow question. I like it. Um, <laughs> I try to keep it where you can't go on for 30 minutes. So. Well, you, you set me up for 30 minutes at least. <laughs> um, no, I think, I think it's about um, being really clear with expectations, uh, what you want your teammates to, what, what good results look like um, and, and what they are responsible for, um, what you're going to hold them responsible for in terms of results. Um, then after that, it's probably about, um, as a team lead, thinking out ahead enough so that you can be honest about what's going to change and what isn't going to change. Right. So, um, I think that's really critical for empowering teammates that every week you're not coming in saying, okay, so everything's changed. Get ready for lots of change. Things is, things are going to change all the time. Um, because that also doesn't create a good scenario for teammates. And then I think the last one that's really important for me, I have two more that are really important for me, but they're kind of intertwined, is you're looking for more new and more places for them to have an impact, right? When they're ready to take on more responsibility or be a part of a you know, high visibility project or something like that, you, you're pushing them to do that. And then the part that's intertwined is also you encourage them to take risk, um, even if it's not like manager sanctioned risk it's like hey there's a certain threshold of risk that i think you should take without my permission you're welcome to bring it to me and and if you do i'm gonna say go for it but you don't even have to do that um as long as you're being open about um success and failure and learnings and all that kind of stuff i think that that's really important for the manager to say every once in a while is like hey by the way i trust you and i think you should take on some risk to try to, you know, improve your results and that kind of thing. I think that's one of the things we talked about with the ridiculously long subtitle to Creativity Inc., right? That the manager was there to kind of manage the culture to where you could take those risks. And that, you know, if you did great things that they were acknowledged and celebrated, and if you, um, you know, messed something up, it was fine. Like you had space and coverage to make those mistakes, which was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think that whole that whole thing around setting clear expectations, keeping kind of the environment stable and then encouraging risk are all all that together kind of creates the space where the where your teammates are coming in every every day saying like I know what we're doing, you know, and that doing word is kind of like a placeholder for all that. I know where I'm supposed to be, make an impact. I know what is expected of me. I know what's going to change and what isn't going to change. I know what we're comfortable in terms of risk and failure and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think that's super important for setting people up for growth. So Buffer, uh, so Buffer, I mean, Carolyn, Carolyn at Buffer. Um, I know y'all were experimenting with OKRs a while back. Um, yes. Did you do anything with those kind of towards individual employee growth and development, or is it more along the lines of just product stuff? Like what I, what I guess I'm trying to tease out here is when we talk about setting clear expectations, how do we do that? Like, is there some kind of like X, Y, Z that we're going to say? Um, like, is it more treat the team as the team wants to level up? Is it more looking at the individual? Like how are we setting and making sure those expectations are clear? Yeah. Um, I would not, say at least either OKRs weren't great for that particular thing or we didn't use them effectively. Um, we are now, I'm, I'm going to answer your question, but just to talk about what has changed up ever since we last talked. Um, it's cool. OKRs, we'll make the loop. It'll be fine. OKRs are out. 
wigs are in. Um, Wait, wigs? Wildly important goal, oh. um, uh, which uh, actually they're not all the way in yet. We're just in the research phase experimenting with them. So ask me again in a couple of weeks and I'll have more information for you. But um, anyway, uh, to answer your question about how to set up expectations appropriately, is that kind of what you, am I answering? Okay. Um, One concept that I think I've talked about on this show that, that we have borrowed from a book called high output management um, that has, this concept has served us pretty well is it's another abbreviation, but um, it's it's task relevant maturity. Um, so we use the, the phrase TRM a lot to refer to this. So every individual person has task relevant maturity um, for whatever the things that they're working on. And so even somebody who's experienced might have low task relevant maturity on a new project or somebody who's who's not experienced might have high TRM on a very specific thing if they have like a lot of experience with that one question. Um, so that's kind of what we've used a lot in terms of setting expectations. So someone with low TRM, you will be, you will set expectations on a much shorter cadence. You'll check in a lot more. Um, the expectations that you set will be more on the actions taken as opposed to the results. Whereas, and, and, you know, you'll, you'll do a lot more coaching on that front. Whereas someone who has high TRM, you might set expectations based on the results that you expect to see. And then it's up to that person to have a lot more freedom and, and, and um, agency to pursue that goal in the way that they think is the, is the most appropriate. Um, not saying that you don't have regular check-ins, of course, because one-to-ones are still, still a central part of our culture. But um, that's in terms of setting expectations, that's like one concept that we've used a lot that I think is, um, is value. It might be valuable. It's from high output management. So Livingston, when it comes to, I feel like every time we go to Livingston, it's like, Oh, so at a bigger company yeah, <laughs> uh, with automatic, what, what's it look like as far as like, you know, helping with that, that development of, of a team member. So like how, you know, when we talk about um, your team leads and, and even all the way up to, you know, the um, support manager with, with Andrew Spittle and all, like what, what's that development look like when they're talking to you? Yeah. Um, I think so for like an individual, so like me with um, the goals and skills and things that, you know, I personally want to develop and, and learn and grow on um, are, are things that I would, you know, essentially discuss with Ann, my team lead. And then, you know, we can have regular check-ins or, you know, however that looks, um, you know, set some goals. Some, I mean, we could even do, we haven't done this, but I know of folks who will even set like personal OKRs or, or something like that and, and just, you know, use that as sort of their measure of success for whatever it might be that they're trying to accomplish. Um, and then once you get past, you know, a personal level, obviously with teams and, um, you know, the team leads reporting to Spittle and that kind of thing, we are using for the most part, OKRs, um, pretty, I guess, standard, you know, OKRs. We may massage it a little bit, not necessarily follow like the exact, you know, rule or whatever, but for the most part we have objectives and we're, you know, defining what success looks like for those objectives and um, then shooting to, to hit those. Um, and we usually review those, you know, every quarter or something like that, uh, set new ones or adjust or, or whatever might need to happen. Um, and so, yeah, that's sort of essentially what it looks like, um, at least from my experience. And I think that's, you know, pretty common across all the teams at, at Automatic, especially when it comes to support. 
So, Jeff, we'll swing back to you. One of the things that um, – so I was having a conversation with a, a sport team manager last week, and we were talking about development as far as the, bringing the team and helping the team level up. And one of the things he was worried about was this kind of – it felt like – I can't remember the exact phrase that he said, but it was basically along, along the lines of, like, he felt he had to know everything for people under him to learn that stuff too. You know, it's like, you've got to, you've got to be able to, to know this inside and out before you can help somebody else on your team level up and, and, uh, and grow in those certain areas. And that's a lot to, to ask of anyone, much less a good manager. So what happens when you're working with, um, with people on your team and they say, Hey, I want to grow in this area, even if that's not like, you know, Jeff's niche or anything, how, how do you help them, um, kind of develop in that interest that they have? Yeah, that's a great question. And really my role as manager is not to have the, the niche. You know, like if I'm doing my job right, I'm not the expert at all the things or even any of the things. I'm trying to hire some experts as well. Um, I think having that mentality from the start is pretty important. Not a lot of, not a lot of people, I don't think enough people encourage that. Um, so I, I, I mean, for me, the way I try to think about it and I, I guess I'm just lucky because this kind of lines up with my personality, but I'm like chief curious person um, on our team. So if somebody says, I want to learn something about this thing, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I want to learn about that too. Uh, like I don't have time to go to this class, but if you go and you know, Wissy will sponsor you to go, can you take notes and then come back and share them with me? And then also like do a show and tell for the rest of the company so that we can all learn about this stuff. Um, an example of that is, um, we're trying to um, we're trying to understand the problems that our premium customers have. Uh, we didn't do we haven't done a great job historically of like getting really deep on the people who pay us the most, like what they're trying to do. Um, so we're trying to up that game now, and uh, we realized we just didn't have a ton of data on that. Nor are those the people that reach out and support and say a lot of things about what they need. Um, so uh, one of our teammates was like, "Hey." Uh, you know, this jobs to be done thing, like, tell me more about that. And I was like, I really don't know that much. I know the basic concept, but we should do some jobs to be done interviews. And she was like, Oh my gosh, I would love to. That'd be my, my dream thing. So she's taking the course. Um, she is, uh, we're in contact with a consultant who does this regularly and they're, they're like teaching us how to do it. And it's not my job to know, but it is my job to create the space and the budget and then to celebrate that around the company so that people are coming up to her saying like, oh, I heard that you're like getting into jobs to be done interviews. We could use that over here. Like, could you run like a lunch and learn so that we can all kind of level up on your experience? So you pay whatever, a couple hundred bucks for the class and the whole company gets to learn the basics of this stuff. Like it's a hundred percent worth it. Um, I, I think really the the real the actual negative thing that can come up here is when the manager is competing with their teammate, um, someone that reports to them. Like the manager is competing with them in a way that they don't set them up for success because the manager is supposed to be the smartest person on this or the manager is supposed to be the one that gets the credit for that. And uh, that mentality just has to be squashed like a bug um, immediately. And like the whole concept should be your setting your team up to succeed, not the man, not the individual manager themselves. Um, I think that's the real behind your question. That's the real like negative scenario is when the manager is like, oh, you can't let them get out ahead of me in this, you know, in whatever it is. 
Um, and so they, they kind of, um, I don't know, sandbag them. They don't, they don't give them the budget or they say, Oh, I'll learn it first. And then I'll teach it to you. All that stuff. You've just got to get, I I don't know what else to say, except you have to get rid of it. Carolyn, you look like you want to jump in there. It's just lots of yes, nodding. I'm just enthusiastically head nodding to the last thing Jeff said. I was going to jump in and say, um, one of our engineering managers did write about this question of like, what do you do when you're managing an individual contributor who's a subject matter expert at a much higher level than you? Um, and I will send that over to you for the show notes. Ooh, awesome. So I want to look at the, the other part of this too, about the encouraging, right? So like development is part of it, but it's also encouraging. And Jeff, you touched on this a little bit when you were talking about the manager, the good manager getting out of the way and celebrating those successes and encouraging them to go out and learn more about, in your case, the jobs to be done interviews and things like that. Uh, Chase, what kind of encouragement um, happens with the automatic teams? Like what, so that that's always the biggest thing, right? It's like, as my team grows, one of my um, secret fears or whatever is that, you know, I, I might not be quite as good as encouraging people when you've got just, you know, a ton of people on your team. So how does, how does automatic handle that kind of encouragement? Yeah, that's a good question. So we have, um, I mean, I think part of that maybe is trying to figure out how to limit your team size maybe. So that's one thing we dealt with recently with some of the team. Well, so there were two teams supporting Jetpack and we were, you know, to the point where there were like, you know, 15 to 20 employees on each team. And so we uh, essentially split both of those in half. So now there are four teams with, you know, and we brought on two new, you know, ra- raised up essentially two new team leads from the the other folks and then kept the two that were there. Um, and so that's one way of thinking about it. Um, I think, I mean, that's obviously not, you know, possible in every situation, but I think um, a lot of it just has to do with, you know, a, a ratio of manager to how many people you're trying to encourage. Cause I mean, it's a whole lot easier to encourage eight or nine people often than it is 20. So um, just, you know, thought there um, another way. So we have a, I think it was actually a meetup project. We did or a green meetup project a couple of years ago, um, but we have, in our, so we have like an internal uh, staff like directory essentially and, and built in with that is something called kudos. Um, and so each employee of auto, or each automatician has three kudos per month that they can give out for any reason. Um, and it's just a fun little way to like, if you know, if somebody really helps you out or if a, so a lot of times with happiness engineers, like if a developer or something like that, maybe goes above and beyond with like helping you figure out and, and even maybe fixing an issue that um, a customer you're working with is having, then um, giving that person kudos is just a great way to like publicly acknowledge that you appreciate their help. Um, and you know, that gets listed on their, their profile essentially forever. Um, so they can, you know, people can go back and, and look when they're happen to be looking somebody up and say, Oh man, this person's gotten you know a lot of kudos. They must be, you know, fun, easy to work with, very helpful. And, and just a sort of a fun way to, um, publicly acknowledge the work that, that somebody's done. So that's another way that we can encourage each other, you know, internally. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything, I think those are sort of the big ways. And, and I mean, we have a few other um, ways. So like we, if there's a, a ticket, uh, like if I get a response from a user that's saying like, thank you, you've made my day to one of our other, you know, uh, one of my colleagues or whatever, then a lot of times we'll post that on one of the P2s and just say, you know, hug for whoever, uh, 
and, and just post the, the user's reply there so that that person and the rest of us can see that, um, you know, it's just nice to see that somebody was thankful for the help we had given them. Um, just a, a small, I guess, sort of encouragement. And I think a lot of people have different, you know, methods or, or whatever for posting those, we call them hugs, but, you know, nice replies from users that are just thanking uh, us for their, for the help that we've given them. So uh, just some, some simple little things like that, I think can go a long way. They're, they're forever going to be called hugs. They're, they're not nice replies. They're straight up hugs. Yeah. I think hug is a nice way to, to put it for sure. <laughs> so Carolyn, this is one of the things that uh, really interests me with buffer, you know, with buffers culture. Um, it just seems like that, that this would not be a problem for y'all that it would just be like you walk in and everyone's like hugging everybody else and that kind of thing. Um, have you seen anything like as the team grows, uh, you know, Chase was talking about the ratios and everything earlier. Have you seen anything like get harder as, as you got bigger? Yeah. Um, I, it's funny. I was nodding also enthusiastically during um, Chase's discussion of ratio. And I just sent you a link um, with a visual that kind of supports that. You can really see how true that is. Um, of it, it really matters how many people you're managing um, when and how big the team size is when, when you see it on like a visual. So um, you can put that in the show notes too. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't have too much to add other than that point. Um, it seems like uh, it should feel like a lot of work to have a team of 10 people. Like people are, I find that I did have to manage when I was managing a team, like, I would have to treat different people in a team so drastically differently um, depending on um, what their, you know, TRM was on on the particular task, what their personality was like, um, what my level of expertise was on the project that they were working on, like all those things that we've already talked about. Um, And after like eight it starts to feel like a lot. Um, and I think that's exactly the point. Like, yeah, after a certain point, it gets, it gets almost impossible to, to provide that personalized level of, um, of leadership to everyone on the, everyone on your team. Like some of my people really wanted me to hold them accountable to very specific things. That was how they felt motivated was to, like have me check in on very, very specific outcomes. Um, some people just wanted to, you know, have run a million miles an hour. So I just had to stay ahead of, ahead of them and, and unblock them and provide space and, um, you know, keep, read all the things that they were doing, like, so that I could provide, um, any feedback or anything. So, yeah, I think that's really it. It's just the thing that gets harder is, um, is, is team size. And then what can happen is then you end up with this like middle manager situation. And that has also been a bit of a challenge for the happiness team. I know, um, they've had to figure out like, well, there's this person who's in the executive team, um, who is sort of running the show. Um, but that person isn't working directly with the day-to-day happiness hero anymore um or at least not that often or at least not that intimately so um then there ends up being a lot of communication up and down and um that takes uh, a fair amount of organization and effort um but um yeah that's don't don't have too much to add other than that 
Yeah, there was an old Mars uh, Mars article going around, um, and I'll find the link and put it in the show notes. But they were talking about as as uh, team size grows, like we have this inclination to like take some of the senior members and just bump them into management, and and that's not always the best route, right? It's um, that Mars article broke it down into there were um, uh, individual contributors and then people wranglers. I think people wranglers is the term that Automatic uses, if I'm not mistaken. Am I? Yeah, so for like okay. HR type stuff, yeah, or yeah. HR wrangler, people wrangler, same difference. Yeah, talking about, you know, that that kind of, the, that do the one-on-ones, that do the, and so it kind of gets a little messy with automatics example. That was a bad one. I shouldn't have said it. But um, people wranglers handle the, you know, the the weekly one-on-ones, the performance reviews, the kind of stuff you associate with being a manager. Um, and then there are individual contributors that are just really, really good at what they do. So they might be more senior on the team, but they don't handle manager type stuff. Um, so I just want to kind of throw in as a side note, like when we talk about these things, um, if you're not a manager and your team is growing, don't feel like you're forced into being a manager. Like that's not something that has to happen for you to, you know, get higher up in the, in your career. Um, so like some of the stuff that we talk about just isn't your jam and that's fine. Like I, for me, I, I, can do jobs like this, but it's always been, I've, I've always thrived more as a, um, you know, kind of like Carolyn was mentioning, like somebody that clears stuff out of my way and lets me go. <laughs> um, so just kind of keep the record. I loved managing those people. That was so fun. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fun. We'll put it that way. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, Jeff, you're going to, since you got the first word, we're going to give you the last word on all this too. Yeah, it's it's just Jeff's episode. It's crazy. It's <laughs> great. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've just given out kudos, evidently, like they're going out of style. Um, yeah, so Jeff, what's, um, again, like with your personality, you seem like the kind of person that walks into a room and you've always, uh, and that you're just the guy that is always celebrating what people are, what members on your team are doing, right? So it probably comes really naturally to you. But, you know, how do you encourage other managers that want to be like that to, to share that encouragement? How do you encourage others to encourage others? That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, and no doubt you can go overboard on this, right? Um, I think we've been guilty at WISI of having like an encouragement culture where everything's great and there isn't a ton of negative feed. There isn't as much direct or constructive feedback floating around as there should be. Um, I love how you keep bringing in like the dark side. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Eh, here. Yeah. With all these things, there's like a two double-sided edge thing to it. Um, I think you can, I think it's almost natural to encourage uh, to do that celebration and encouragement when you can draw a direct line between what that person is doing and how the business grows or how the customer benefits or, you know, whatever the desired outcome is when you've drawn that line and made it logically clear to yourself, it gets a lot more exciting. Um, because on one hand, you're really happy for that person but that only lasts for a short time if that person's like, Hey, remember all those times I like filled out those reports and you were like all thrilled about it. Well, nobody ever took action off that report that I filled out. So like now I don't feel that great about it. So that's kind of trained me to think like, okay, I'm not going to celebrate a thing unless I really understand 
um, how it connects to our, like our, our mission, whatever that, whatever that means for, for you. And in fact, I think I'm guilty of when I don't have enough context about how it connects, I'm like, Oh, cool. That's great. We did a thing like me. <laughs> and then as soon as everybody else leaves, I'm like, go to the person that I trust who seems to know something about it. And I'm like, why the, why did we just do this? Like, I, I want to be excited about it, but I don't get it. Um, so I think it, for everybody, you got to find that, that connection. And then all of a sudden it comes much more naturally to think of that leverage that you're gaining as the, as the leader of that group, right? Like, okay, my group is designed, you know, is, is here to bring more value to the organization through, in my case, it's building great product that our customers buy. I can't do it myself. Believe me, you do not want to buy a product that I designed and built and support myself. You don't want that. Um, so that's why we have amazing teammates who are way better at that than I am. Um, but whenever I see them do something that makes our product a little bit better, I'm like, oh my God, that's what we're here for. That is so cool. All right. That's the last word. So let us know what you think uh, on this one. Remember that the prompt for this week was regardless of seniority, every good manager will encourage and develop each of their team members. You can hit us up on email. It's hello at supportops.co. We're on Twitter. It's at supportops there. If you get a chance, tell us what you would fill in the blank with because we're fishing for new show topics on this series. That's that's all we're doing. That's pretty much going on. Um, there's four of us. We can fill it in for four episodes. And then after that point, we kind of run out of ideas. So um, let us know again email us hello at supportops.co on twitter we're at supportops thanks again for listening and until we see you again have an awesome week